1: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim jumps into Mark chapter 9. Jesus is alone now with the 12 disciples, continuing to instruct them. And here we encounter an incredible scene, the transfiguration of Jesus before three of the disciples who witnessed Jesus in his divine glory and an affirming audible word from God the Father out of heaven. They got a glimpse of the kingdom to come, and the response was, They were terrified at the glimpse of glory and power that they witnessed. Jesus' statement just before this occurrence in Scripture has caused some confusion, but when grasped in the context of the transformation, not as confusing as it may at first appear. Pastor Jim will explain all week. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, This is My Beloved Son.
0: Come with me uh, back to the Gospel according to Mark. We can check off another chapter, as we know the books of the Bible split up into chapters and, and verses. They weren't written that way, but um, we can, for reference sake, say that's where we are. We've finished chapter 8, and today we dive into chapter 9, and we're taking a little bit larger chunk than we have in some uh, places because it's one event The setting for our text is the same as it has been. It's Jesus with the twelve and a, a small band of other disciples totally committed to the Lord. They're in the northernmost region of Israel, up in the foothills, in a place called Caesarea Philippi. They've been there for a little while now as Jesus has gotten them away from the massive crowds. And He's focusing on training the twelve and the others who will carry on the ministry after he ascends to the Father. We have seen four important things already that have happened while they are in this place. The first, with Peter as the spokesman on behalf of all of them, the disciples have declared definitively that they get it when it comes to who Jesus is. Who do people say that I am? He asked, and they gave him all the answers. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And the answer was, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Or in Matthew's version, the Son of the living God. The second thing is that right after that, Jesus began explaining in plain language that he must go to Jerusalem be opposed by the Jewish leaders, be, be betrayed, be arrested, be crucified, and then He would rise from the dead. And He started spelling that out for them. They had come absolutely to full commitment on who He is, but they didn't understand what the plan was going to be from there on. And, and frankly, they struggled to grasp that, and we'll keep seeing that. So the third thing that we've seen that happened there is that right after Peter said, I'm going to go be uh, betrayed, arrested, crucified, etc., Peter rebuked Jesus. And he told him, No, you're not. That's not going to happen on my watch. I won't let that happen to you. Now, Jesus had some pretty strong words for him, right? Like, get behind me, Satan. But on the other hand, that declaration of Peter, which he didn't seem to back down from, even if he stopped mouthing it to Jesus. That led probably to Peter's lowest point when he uh, wasn't able to prevent it all. And even in his frustration and his disappointment and his anger, he declared, I never knew him. I, I, I don't know this man. I think that was set up here in Caesarea Philippi. The fourth thing that we have seen in this visit to Caesarea Philippi is Jesus defining discipleship. He's explained what it means. It means nothing less than deny yourself. Same word deny as Peter denying Jesus. Take everything about yourself in your, in your flesh, in your sinfulness, in your earthly life. Deny it. Just turn your back on it. Say, I, I don't even know that person deny yourself take up your cross and we talked about how that's the picture that would have evoked the word picture of a condemned criminal under the Roman government carrying the cross piece of the cross to the place of crucifixion as a spectacle you be willing to stand for me if it means that you are a spectacle you are humiliated in the world and even to the point of going to the, your own death if that's what it means to follow Him, if, that, if that's what it means to follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow Him in radical obedience. Now today, we come to a fifth important event that took place in this same place, in this same span of time. God gives Peter, James, and John, the three who are the inner circle of the twelve who are the apostles, He gives Peter, James, and John a preview of the glory of Christ as it will be when He comes again. So we've titled this based upon a quote directly from God. This is my beloved Son. And here's how we're going to work our way through the first 13 verses of Mark 9. Number one, the plan is set. Verse one. Number two, the veil is lifted. That's two through eight. Then that bizarre to us. Instruction again, tell no one until later, comes in verse 9. And then in verses 10 through 13, I want you to see how the pieces fit together. We start with the fact that the plan is set. Now, Jesus has been talking about discipleship and the cost of discipleship. You need to take up your cross daily and follow me. He gave a motivation for that at the end of the last chapter. He referred to His second coming and that uh, there will be reward and there will be judgment when when that comes. And uh, He's going to be unveiling the glory of the kingdom at that time. Angels will be accompanying Him at that time. And He's saying that if you invest your life in following Christ, no matter what it might cost you, you will be rewarded in the kingdom of heaven on earth And you'll be rewarded for all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. So he's calling everyone to be his disciple. Willing to suffer, willing to die, if that's what faithfulness demands. And he says it will be worth it, even if it might be unpleasant and painful here and now. So that's the connection to the context. And now comes an amazing statement from Jesus. Mark records it for us this way. And Jesus was saying to them, Mark 9, one, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come in power. Now, you've got to get the big picture here. Uh, once the Pharisees and the, their scribes had finalized their rejection of Jesus. Remember, they went public and said everything he does is by the power of of Satan. Big changes started to happen. Jesus stopped teaching in a straightforward way to the group. He started speaking to them only in in parables. And in a a series of parables, he began to unveil a new mystery form of the kingdom of heaven. He would started out saying, repent for... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now he's given a bunch of parables that make it sound like there's going to be a long time before he comes in glory to reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem. There's going to be a long time of sowing seed before the final harvest in the future and and final judgment. He has, during this few days there in Caesarea Philippi, He has hinted that this new thing which is to come in the future is something that he's going to call my church. Mark didn't mention that, but Matthew did. Says, "You're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church." To which the disciples didn't nod their head and say, "Ah, yes." They said something more like, "What do you say? What do you mean, my church?" We're looking for the kingdom, the one that's promised to Israel. So even though Matthew is the only one that records it because it was so significant to Israel, that's what Jesus had been telling them. And then he gave that very powerful call to be willing to die if necessary for the sake of following him. Now, he's been speaking suddenly as if all of these things about the glory and the kingdom and that are Are far off. Now, if you were a disciple then and there, you would have had questions, legitimate questions. They knew the scriptures. They only had what we called the Old Testament, but they knew about a kingdom that was to come. So they would have had a question like, What about all the, we call it Old Testament, what about all the biblical promises? of a kingdom on earth. You're the king. You're saying you're going to die. So, the next question is, how can it be there's going to be a kingdom if the king is going to die? We don't get it. And then they might be asking are God's promises to Israel nullified? Now all of a sudden you've been dragging us around through Gentile territory and preaching the same message and doing the same kinds of miracles with oh, Gentiles? What's going on here, Lord? And it's at this point that Jesus does something spectacular to make it clear that this all ties together. Those scriptural promises of a Messiah, a Savior, a King, who will reign on earth, the promise of judgment on the enemies of God and the reward of, of all those who serve Him, and... Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.